Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction. This is our 71st episode. If you've heard the other 70, we thank you and salute you. If not, then after you've listened to this, do try our episode with Nile Rogers or Jane Seymour or Dame Jacqueline Wilson. There are so many great guests to choose from. Anyway, on to this week's episode. I know I'm a bit biased, but I really think this one is special. Like many of the guests on this podcast, I'd never met her before, but we bonded almost immediately, and I felt like I could talk to her about anything and everything, which I think you'll see we did. In the week of the Eurovision Song Contest, today's guest is the unforgettable 2018 winner, Netta Barzilai. So, let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. Today, in the week of this year's Eurovision Song Contest, I am thrilled to be talking to the electronic pucker, style icon, and winner of the 2018 contest, Netta Barzilai. Did I say that properly, Barzilai? You did. You did great. Do you know, I am so excited to meet you for many reasons, but firstly, because I love Israel so much. It's one of my favorite countries in the world. I know you weren't, you didn't grow up there when you were a teeny weeny little tot. Uh, what's that game called? Paddleboard, where you hear it in the morning. Matkot. That's the one. And you hear that click. It's like this paddleboard ball, ball game. Bat, 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 bat. And it's such a wonderful sound. So my darling, we're going to talk about Eurovision 2018. But I understand you're going to be with us on in the UK on this year's show. <laughs> but there's so many things to address, first of all. First of all, it's cool to hear that you've been to Israel. Israel uh, is uh, amazing. Second of all, I grew up in Nigeria, but I feel like Israel is like the main part of my identity. Like uh, yeah. if I had to put it in a percentage, then I'm probably like 80% yeah here but third i am very very excited to be joining uh, uh, the eurovision uh, performances <laughs> this year i am thrilled 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 to the roof uh this is a great honor the uh, eurovision called and i couldn't say no and it's a big thing for me i'm not surprised because it's quite unusual for a past winner to go and perform i mean maybe last year's winner but to have um, a winner from, what is it, five years ago? Isn't that quite unusual? We're celebrating five years to, uh, yeah. to, that, to that win. Uh, and it's like, you know, I, I did the Eurovision in Portugal and I did the Eurovision in Israel. And then when Eurovision uh, uh, got cancelled and it was COVID, then I was singing in the Eurovision that didn't happen. 
uh, I did the 2020 Eurovision. So if you really look at it, I just missed two Eurovisions. But you left such an impression. I mean, for so many reasons, but primarily because visually you're so strong and joyous. You're joyous, you're colourful, you're courageous in what you wear. And I'm sure people have said this to you before, but there's an element of Bjork, not only to your face and your features, but also in the kind of madness of your, your clothing choices. I thank you so much. There's like a great, incredible team uh, working with me on each and every piece that I wear. Even uh, when I'm sitting at home, this is like from Japan and I am, uh, I am obsessed with this piece. I've been wearing it for three days. I think that uh, celebrating my body that I live in and using it as a form of expression is something that I discovered only later in my life when I was uh, 23 and 4. I think the stage really cured me. Uh, and I like making art with it. I fell in love with my presence, <laughs> with how big it is when I enter a room I no longer apologize for it as I was doing for so many years and I just have fun with it. The more liberated I am from people's conceptions and takes about how how do I supposed to look, the, the better I feel, uh, the better I free myself uh, from like prejudice. Sizes, you know, whenever you walk into like a clothing stores, there are sizes and when the clerk, <laughs> this is how you say that, which she asks you, what's your size? I don't have a size. I can fit in a top when it's, a, when it's size small and it's when it's size extra, extra large. I can fit into anything. It depends on what I want. It's, it's really, I, I immediately go to the men's section. It's just like very creative for me. And I'm, I'm so free. But it's not like a permanent thing. I could go back. If somebody important says the wrong thing at the wrong time. It's less easy to do that now, but it can happen. So you do still have insecurities because you seem incredibly confident and at ease, as you say, with yourself. But do you ever feel insecure? Well, basically just like anyone. Uh, yeah. This year I wrote a, a song called I Love My Nails, <laughs> which basically it was a way for, it was a quirky way for me because I don't like saying stuff the normal way. Instead of I love myself, I love my nails. And the verse is about a huge crush that I had on a boy who didn't really want me. And how after such a big process that I was having with myself and loving myself and like, oh my God, I'm winning. Nobody can take away what I really, really worked hard to earn. And then it's just like that, like it, yeah. it just goes, it just goes. And immediately you, uh, you feel so small. I, mm. I thought nobody can take my love for me away, but then it happened and I needed a way to come back to myself. So uh, I found like itty bits and crumbs uh, to to find uh, a way back to me, uh, like doing little stuff for for myself and persuading yourself again that you are worthy. 
Do you feel that now you have all this success and fame and you are a, you are a great talent, you have an incredible voice, a really unusual voice. Do you find that becomes less and less? So let's say your insecurity gets dented. Do you find it you get back to your self-confidence quick, more quickly now? Interesting question. Does fame help your insecurities? The answer is no. It's just the volume of, of stuff. I think the volume of, of love is huge. And also the volume of hate is huge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's just the volumes are up. The ways uh, for me to find peace with myself is, is as difficult as it was when I was 16. It's just different volumes. I already know. Nobody can take away what I've seen. I've seen the matrix. <laughs> I've seen, <laughs> I've seen, like, I've seen how when you think that you are the hottest thing in the room, then you're the hottest thing in the room. When you really believe so. And the energy that you attract all of a sudden is so different. You just have to believe that. And and believing that is very, very difficult. It's a very difficult procedure to, to, to accomplish. But when you flood the world with this type of energy, then the world kind of changes into to that direction. People are having less of a hard time to feel good about themselves and then they send good energy outside. I, I really believe in that theory. And, mm. and whenever I feel down, I remember it's fake, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake. And this is like very important reminder when I sit next to a friend and I feel less confident because she's less confident with herself. So she says tactless stuff like, uh, mm. like how could you eat that? And like, I would never have courage to go like you. <laughs> and, and, then, <laughs> and then you feel all of a sudden like, oh, shit. I must have been doing something wrong. I must have been pushing people away. But this is her fears. One time, uh, I wore a cute diesel tank top, which, which was green, which I loved. And then my mother, uh, she told me, Neta, your hands, your arms, uh, could you wear something to cover them? Like, they're too big. But were they too big for her or for me? This was like the first moment when I really, really asked, why does her problems have to be my problems? Is that the mum in her talking to her daughter? As, a, as like, darling, you really, you know, do you think you should go out wearing a pussy helmet? Do you think maybe you should cover up a bit? Rather than saying that actually doesn't suit you? Um, no, no. There were just like, uh, I think, eating disorders passing from mother to daughter, from mother to daughter, from mother to daughter. Okay, so you had an eating disorder, did you? It's not an eating disorder. It's like, I take eating disorder as like a very severe term, but I had an unhealthy relationship with food and in the family for a very, very long time. Okay. Uh, part of it is like really because of ignorance. Uh, we didn't know better. And a really big part of it was because my grandma made my mom feel insecure about herself. So my mom made me feel insecure about myself and so on and so on. It's like the, the so, social norms. And yeah. I feel that... Sorry, we've got the cats here. Shut up, cat. She's moving <laughs> in the background. 
and it's thundering as well outside. So sorry, everyone was, who's listening. There's a lot of a lot of kind of different sounds coming in. Sorry to interrupt you, Netta, but yeah, no, it's, it's okay. I mean, do you think you're? Th- that's the cycle, isn't it? It's the cycle of behaviour. Uh, do you think you'll break that? If you, <laughs> if you have a daughter, do you think you'll break that cycle? First of all, I really want to be a mom, but I hope so. But Either way, I'm going to fuck up my kid. <laughs> we're all exactly. going yeah. to... It's like, it's inevitable, right? Well, it's not inevitable, but all you can do is your fucking best. You know, I'm... And I, I say this, but I'm an alcoholic, all right? I'm in recovery. And my daughter, you know, my kids, they saw that, and especially the younger one. And there's no question that it's had an impact on her. But then... You know, and then I came out the other side and they witnessed that too. So there's the positive as well, because you, you know, when someone, they see flaws in you, you become more human, you become more accessible, you become more relatable. And then if you get past those things, then it's become, you become not a figure of admiration because that's doesn't sound very humble. But it's like a survivor. It's about being a survivor. So I, I do believe fucking up is important. I think it's really important. And today, I don't think enough parents fuck up in front of their children, which makes them, they have no resilience whatsoever. So Netta, wow. when you have kids, you go ahead and fuck them up. <laughs> well, thank you for this permission. I will do my best, though. But yeah. I kind of want to take what you said about um, about the kids not being resilient and not being too exposed and like the, this era of PC and everybody needs to be so polite with each other and not really say the, the truth. I think there's like people are missing the point of a healthy conversation because the point is not insulting anyone and keeping it all within. It's just yeah. like, you know, it's having a conversation out of love, out of pure love. And the base for everything is communication. We, mm. th- to not communicate is not the answer for the, the, the fact that I am talking about and I am not afraid to say that I love myself when I'm fat. I, I was afraid of that word. Whenever anyone say that word to me, I would... I would shrivel up into myself and I wanted to, 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 to stop existing and to be in peace with this term, which is like, it's a title, which is true. And I'm okay with it and I love it. And I think if I wouldn't be free and I wouldn't talk about it as much uh, and practice this as much, I wouldn't be able to be happy. And if people were careful, it wouldn't be fun to be around me. Yeah, I so agree. It's like if you own your flaws or what you consider to be your flaws or what other people consider to be your fucking flaws, if you own them, you take the power out of them. It's weird because I've been thinking about this a lot recently because I wind the movie forward. How old are you? So 24 or something. You're like a child, aren't you? I am 30. Are you really? She looks so young. You're 30, really? It's like natural collagen. It's fat. Oh, my God. Okay, so why in the movie forward 30 years, and I am you, it's taken me 60 years of 
up and down, being on TV, career failure, la, 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 to come to where you are today and to have that authenticity about yourself. And it's such a relief, isn't it? So what you're doing in embracing yourself and your size, it's, it's so powerful for for young women of your age, obviously. And it's so much healthier. And it's that, that authenticity is what we're losing through people being too PC. First of all, I totally hear that. And I just want to say that it's not being big or being fat that I promote. I promote not hating yourself. Yeah. Uh, this is the healthy thing. Uh, yes, you're uh, right. When you are at a place when you are compassionate and you forgive yourself, then you can be in a place where you can do healthy choices for yourself through, like, like for example, I, I look the way I am and I don't eat sugar <laughs> for the past year and I don't eat processed foods. I'm just envious of about my energy, I guess. Yeah, and, and I think that it doesn't define you at all. You're so, you know, you're so much more. Exactly. So, like you were saying about when you walk into a clothes shop and you, you, can, you can put on a size small, you can put on, a, you know, men's clothes, you can put on whatever you want because you're not defined by that. And that, that's what emanates from you so strongly is it's like you've got a voice, you've got a personality, you've got intelligence, you must have a sense of humor to be able to perform like you do. Exactly. And, and you know, those are the things you are. In this Eurovision... Yeah, what are you wearing? Will you tell us? In the preparation, we chose a designer from London. He's very big and it was a dream of mine to work with him for such a long time. And uh, I've never worked actually with a designer from abroad. I only worked with the designers from Israel. And for the design, we needed to scan my body uh, in a special place, 360. And it was so... I think I know. I think I can work out who that is. Yeah, you can? Okay. Start with, what letter does it start in? <laughs> I, I think he begins with G, his first name, and his second name, P. I don't know. So it's not Gareth Pugh. No. <laughs> okay. Which is Carry a bummer because I love it. <laughs> Are you allowed to say or not? Pa, 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 maybe, pa. maybe you better no, not. No, because it would reveal, it would obviously reveal what I'm doing. Yeah. So okay. Okay. I, can, right. I can't. We have to keep But, sure. but okay. uh, we needed to scan my body in 360. And it was an experience for me because like, you know, when people ask me like when, when they want to take my photo, they're like, what's your side? And I said like, all of my sides are my side. And then when I needed all of the sides, I needed to deal with it for a second. It's like, no, no, from the back. And then it's like, yes, I kind of like it. It's like, I needed to sit with it for like a while. And then we needed to mold something from, from like iron. And then uh, we 3D printed it in Israel, exactly to the fits of my body. And it's just like, ugh. It's divine. I can't wait. I can't I'm wait. But so it was excited. also it was also like um, a thing to to deal with. And are you going to be performing a new song? Well, it's a rendition of a great song from Liverpool. Like it's a uh, few songs by special artists that uh, perform like a tribute to Liverpool, and I can't share. 
I just can't. Okay. okay. I'm like, okay. I, I, I will be sued. I would lose so much money if I say something. <laughs> no, no, we, okay. We're going to move on from that then. <laughs> so whereabouts do you live in Israel? Are you in Tel Aviv? Or? Yes, we're currently in my apartment, very which is really all really very, nice very, fun. very, very archy. Like the ceiling is beautiful. Are you in, where are you? Are you in Jaffa? Yes, you, you are. are. I'm right by the sea. At night, it looks like Hogwarts, and at morning, it looks like Santorini. Yeah. It's so pretty. I love Jaffa. I have some friends who who live in Jaffa, and I used because I would go out to Israel, and I'd spend like a month at a time there. I made so many friends. You know, it's like... Very, um, very Israeli-friendly about your attitude. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're very to the point. Yeah. And it's very Israeli. But I love that. It's like going back to the whole fucking PC thing. The, that doesn't really exist in, in Israel, which is why I love that straight talking. You know where you stand immediately. Exactly. But it's very difficult because I come from an Israeli place uh, as an artist. I'm not ashamed of the, my accent. I really put words in Hebrew in my pop songs. I really play with this exotic place. The way that I sound, you know, I put something on TikTok, something that is, you know, everybody's doing braids here now because it's, you know, it's, it's Israel and it's like, you know, we take trends from, from other places and, and, and all of a sudden I upload something to TikTok and then I discover that it's, I'm culturally appropriating something. But I, I don't live in America, but, but I have to discover that something culturally inappropriate that is totally appropriate where I come from. It's like I bring into my surroundings the PC culture and, and people here do not. They do not understand. Mm, yeah. It just isn't a global thing. I do regret <laughs> putting braids that day. But it must be hard to navigate that. You must have traveled a lot, so that helps. And your name is getting, you know, is going further afield. But to navigate that sort of global influence must be a continuous learning curve for you. It's tiring to be so careful. Mm. Lizzo said it really well. I wish I could quote her well, but it's like to live in a world where, when you can cancel a girl when she just wanted to change. Yeah. And it's just, it's just like that you can uh, you can take away somebody's career just for like something really 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 small really I I think and it's it's interesting because I are you know I asked my kids about about this and I said what worries you most about the future thinking it would be you know global warming and they all say the sort of cancel culture. So you've got to change that. You've got to start changing that. I'll help you. Ah. It's like, you know, really. And, and I think you are to a certain degree, Netta. I think you are because you are very individual in, in your expression, in the way you look, in, you know, the way you perform, the lyrics of your songs. I, I think you have a lot of that on your side. And, you know, it's kind of softly, softly, isn't it, as a spokesperson? I believe I'm going to need the guts to to have conversations. I feel sometimes I'm I'm very brave to have some conversations, but sometimes I feel like a chicken not having some conversations that I really need to have. 
But then I think if they're all reflected on yourself and they're talking about yourself, you can talk about yourself and then it be other people will identify with it. That that I think could be is a sort of way around it, especially for you in your position. Might be you know, a solution. You, it's your experience that you can talk about and then everyone else, you know, people will identify with parts of what you say. Might be a solution. I wish that people just said and talk. People yeah, don't talk. Okay. They just shame. They rather shame mm. and rather like look for somebody to hate. Mm. No, it's terrible. It really is. So, I mean, when you said you, because when you were younger, you basically, you said you were faced with fight or flight. You are a fighter, aren't you? I became a fighter when I grew older, but when I was a kid and I needed to escape, I wrote a song called Playground Politica. It's my latest release. And, and it's um, when I came back from Nigeria, Nigeria was like a place... Uh, we went to school uh, with a girl from Japan and a girl from, and a boy named Richard from, from London and uh, a, a girl named Megan from Michigan and a boy named Stone from, uh, from Nigeria and two girls from Namibia. And we just were in an international kind of class. Everybody was looking different, but everybody looks so different. So dif physical differences wasn't a thing. And when I came back to Israel to 40 white kids in a classroom, all of a sudden you discover you're the fat unibrowed kid with the accent, which is also very, very sensitive and very, very vulnerable. And when there's a weakness, then then I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I was immediately rejected. Uh, and I was also very weird and very emotional about everything. You asked about fight or flight, so I, uh, oh, yeah. whenever there was like a break, I would run. I was a running fat girl. People called me like a rhino. Like in Hebrew, it kind of fits. So it was like, a, I was the rhinoceros kind of kid. I would just like run. Immediately, I would run to the swing. And whenever I am in motion, like when I'm in a car or when I'm on a swing or when I'm dancing, I can just zone out and like imagine myself on a different place. So I would run to the swing and I would just sit on it and swing forever. And people would scream Get that. and nothing existed. I was unstoppable. And that was like, a, if, if it was a fight or flight thing, then, then I would choose flight always that time. I couldn't face that. I couldn't deal with that when I was so young. Just a tip for parents dealing with kids that are not accepted in their schools. My parents did an amazing thing for me and they sent me to places like small groups, like pottery class or like choir or like soccer team, <laughs> wherever I have a chance, like a fresh start to communicate with people with fresh people that has like no, no opinion on me and and just gain social confidence and slowly slowly bit by bit I gain social confidence uh, by interacting with just fresh people in smaller groups and I got just a tiny bit of love and a tiny bit of like ways to build uh, uh, my personality which was amazing for me. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H E L P. But one of the things that happened when I grew up is I discovered that I have a very, very, very special musical talent. When I was in the first or second grade, uh, I had an audition for a choir and like it was like a test if you're like a low voice or a high voice. And I remember when immediately when I opened my mouth, I got like a like a turning head motion from all of the kids. And that was the moment where I realized that I, I got something and like everybody was the pretty girl and I could sing. And it really helped me. Uh, it, music for like a very long time was a vessel to bring people closer to me in good ways and bad ways. Like I gained popularity and, and friends uh, and people, when there was like a, a campfire or whatever, I was the annoying girl with the guitar, but everybody would come mm. and, and want to and wanna take a part of it. When I became 18, I decided to, to take like a year off uh, singing because I realized that I am intolerable as a person <laughs> and I really need to build a personality. <laughs> Uh, and I really need to learn to love myself sure. that everybody hated. Because nobody wanted me, then I kind of excluded myself from society. If I'm not, if I can't be a part of the club that you built, that I don't want to, that I'll build my own kind of club who includes just me. And I'm going to be an unso- and I'm not a social person. And when I became 18, I stated that as a fact. I want to become a social person. I want to be a part of a team. I want to be loved and I want people to love me. And it was very hard. But here we are. So was there a a light bulb moment when you thought that? Was it literally when you turned 18 or did this evolve? In Israel, there's like, you have to go to the army. You just have to. If you don't, you go to jail. Military service, yeah. And I decided there's an option to take a year before the army where you volunteer. So I mm-hmm. took a year and volunteered in Tiberias, which mm-hmm. is a city near the Sea of Galilee. And yeah. uh, I lived in a commune with 14 other artists. What, a kibbutz, like a sort of musical kibbutz? Almost, but just a tiny five-bedroom apartment when you live in the middle of a very, very difficult city. Like very, very poor places. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had a room with six guitars and in a school. And I teached, I teach guitar. But the the more interesting part was the fact that I lived with 14 other people and all of them told me that I was intolerable. 
In what way define that? How did they find you? Is that because you found yourself intolerable no. as well? Okay, so how did they find you intolerable? I got the affirmation because for so many years of being pushed out, I pushed myself away from, like, if everybody's going to paint some place, then then I'm not going because I'm special. And I have my special food in the fridge because I'm special. I don't like your ideas. I like my own ideas and, and everybody needs to do my that thing. That's so interesting, though, because you're talking about a time when you were very vulnerable and you were just starting to come out of it. You said, you know, about yourself, I was intolerable. But weirdly, the way that is um, displaying itself is this almost like an ego which by other people could be taken as ego exactly. and, and a lack of humility because, and I, I, I'm saying this as a recovering alcoholic because it's like, you know, that's one of the things. Well, I'm special. Of course I have to drink, you know, a bottle of wine or, and I have to drink another bottle of wine because I'm special and I'm different and I don't have, you don't have problems like I do. So I really empathize with what you're saying and that manifests itself as maybe a bit, yeah, like having a big ego. But it's so the reverse, isn't it? Yeah, it is. When you isolate someone for so long and when you're so deep into your loop <laughs> uh, that you feel like everybody wants to harm you and nobody understands you, it's just not the way. Yeah. When there's a bully, for example, the, the solution is not to isolate him. Just gonna make it worse. You gotta hug them, dear bully. I don't know what. The, I don't know what's the solution. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's just communication and mm. and and love. But did you at that time? Did you use the way you dressed as a form of protection? So did you wear kind of all black, or did you wear heavy metal T-shirts, or did you? you know, have a biker jacket and Doc Martens. I mean, how did you, how did you dress at that time? Uh, I, kind of all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't pay attention to my body as like a part of me. I was denying it. I would dress like very basic, like black pants and black sweatshirt. A bit like Louis Capaldi. Maybe. I love him. When I was 22 and I was starting to perform, I started at open mics and at first I needed my friends, but there was like a first time when I didn't need my friends to go and I urged myself to go by myself. And it was kind of like a ritual, like every, every Sunday at 12 uh, a.m. I would go and uh, sorry, is it 12 p.m. when it reached midnight? Uh, no, 12 a.m. A.m. Yeah. So I would go and I would participate in this open mics thing. And because nobody knew me and this like kind of fresh start, clean slate kind of thing, this is when I allowed myself to um, experiment with clothes. At first of all, I started coming in my pajamas. Like, I want to feel the most comfortable that I am, that <laughs> I want to on stage. Like, I built like kind of this character when I just eat fries out of people's tables and drink out of their beers and sing like I practiced a lot of types of uh, performances till I found where I feel the biggest and when the crowd gets like the best and I just took like old women's dresses 
which was like the finest and was look it looked hip, the most hipster and it closed uh, up to here like the really expensive bohemian stuff mm-hmm. and I took them all and I make them so much shorter because I'm built very apple shaped and I have like very very skinny legs and I wanted to like every time I took my clothes to the seamstress I really prayed for really hard I wish I would have somebody sewing clothes for me I wish I would have them money one day uh, to make it and then everything just it it happened <laughs> so how would you you know because people in this country in the UK will know you obviously from um, Eurovision and your your little the little buns on the side of your head there was something it was kind of a bit Pippi Longstocking, this, this Scandinavian little girl character. And there was something quite childish about it. There was something, obviously, it was very colourful. And like I said earlier, it was just joyful. How would you describe your style today? I mean, is there a marriage between onstage and offstage, or are they two separate things? It's an interesting question. I allow myself a lot... To be the six-year-old kid that uh, I never was, I guess, yeah. on stage with the big tutus and, and the buns. And I just feel something about playing with toys <laughs> on stage yeah. is something yeah. very childish. And, and, and you discover stuff. It's, it's like it's less of a, of a diva practice. Like there's yeah. dancers and you feel, bah! it's more like, Oh, I mean this magical wonderland and like I touch stuff and like it's like you're on it's like you're swimming sorry <laughs> it's so true it's like you are it's like when watching it that's exactly it and that's why it's so joyful it's like a watching a kid in a toy shop yeah that's what it is and uh, this gosh, that's so interesting this is the experience that I have when I make music mm. There's some songs when I feel sexy and there's some songs where I feel enticing, but, but the moment when you hear a good beat, you just go like this, yes! Mm. And then it's just, it's inevitable. You have to dress like a child <laughs> because, because it is, this is the feeling that you ignite uh, mm. uh, in people and in yourself. I guess that's the answer to, to the way I dress. Mm. By the way, in Eurovision, this is not the type of thing that you might expect. I, I might be very sexy. <laughs> oh, well, I can imagine it. I can absolutely imagine. You are really looking forward to this, I can tell. I am. Oh, a little coquettish. So, my <laughs> darling, now, who are your style icons? It doesn't have to be anyone. I mean, Bjork must have been an influence for you. Or maybe you're too young to remember her. So obviously, Bjork is like major for me. But it's more anime. <laughs> it's more yeah. anime kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mugler and... Topolgoshi. Yeah, and, and, and Alon Livnay, who's an Israeli designer, have all been around always, but I never looked at fashion because, because it, had, it didn't include me, so I pushed it away. Mm. So for such a long time, I like had such a like, uh, that I wasn't influenced by anything. This thing gave me hatred. Mm. Uh, what they did gave me hatred, and it made me hate myself. 
fashion industry made me hate myself. It made me go to the bathroom and throw up. Sorry. For a moment, I really saw it. I really saw all of the designers filtering in like plus size models and like great quantity. But now I see it less and I'm kind of worried that I that we were used as a gimmick, which mm. which we're not. And, and mm. that might be very insulting because I really do believe that excluding people is just wrong for society and it creates problems deeper than, than anybody could ever fix. Takes so long. Would you ever think of starting your own line? I would clothes? love that. If I would find a good, a good, good partner, that I would love that. I think that might be the future for you. Now, my darling, have you had any major wardrobe malfunctions? She's got a good one. I can see it on her face. Netta's got a good one. I, like, have two good ones. Okay. okay. One of them might be too graphic, but one of them is very good. We're going to have the graphic one, too. Ah! We've been swearing the whole way through this, so we can okay. have, we've got to have the graphic. Listen, when we're, I was in France... I was traveling um, uh, to do a very big gay club performance. And Mm -hmm. like bigger than life kind of thing, the thing when you have to move and be feeling yourself the whole time. And I was, um, again, I'm apple-shaped, so I have nothing holding my pantyhose. (laughs) When I put like a legging thing, then it's like, if I don't put like a high waist kind of like shaper, very gentle shaper uh, that I put over them, then they just like, they can fall. So I went up to that stage and I started singing and all of a sudden I'm playing the, my looper and I, and I feel it gently gliding down my hips and down to my knees. And then it became kind of like a belt holding my (laughs) legs together, not allowing me to move. And I stood looking like a candle kind of of standing. 40 minutes of me just like this and and not really moving. Nobody Nobody could understand because it was transparent. But I was like, I was tied and my stylist from afar didn't get it and nobody could get it. But I was just standing there and nobody got what's wrong. <gasps> oh my oh God, so you were completely restricted. for somebody to save me. But uh, oh. so ever since then, it did happen. But then I said, don't let it damage the show. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm open with my crowd and I'm telling them, listen, my pantyhose is tying me down and I'm going to do something. Please do not photograph this. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then I do it. and People respect it. It's fun. Brilliant. That is absolutely brilliant. And is that the one that you're... What's the graphic one? It's not the one, graphic one. That... <laughs> it's not the okay. graphic one. Come on. Eurovision in Israel. I was wearing mm. a Lon Livnez piece. It was a very, very, very tight and amazing leotard. Custom made for my body. Really pinned and sewed exactly for me. And there was like ruffles through the back and down the to the ass, kind of. Mm-hmm. So because of that, it was all vinyl, and I couldn't sit. Because if I would sit, I would ruin the ruffles. So they brought for me a special kind of chair. I, I Amazingly, right 
next to me. <laughs> okay, a wheelie chair, a chair with wheels. Yeah. Chair with wheels, but oh, it's like a saddle. Exactly. It's like a massage yeah. chair. Okay, so up until that moment of like months of preparing this garment, I didn't actually sit. So just before the performance, like a lot of people were standing around and everybody was so excited, like 50 dancers, everybody standing. And I'm like, okay, we have like five minutes until we go. So I will sit. And then I sat. And then there was like a, there was like a huge scream. And, I, and, and everybody was lifting me up, asking me what happened. And I'm whispering to my stylist. And then he goes down. Sorry, I don't understand. Is that like little finger meant to be a tampon? A pin, like a in needle. Oh, a pin in your bum? Not in my bum. <laughs> front bottom. A pin in your front bottom. <laughs> oh, my God, like a little instant piercing. It was like a beam of light. And then he sees that needle stuck <laughs> in my, you know. And then he <sighs> just pulls it out. And I start <sighs> weeping. <laughs> I start weeping. I literally got circumcised. It was like, it, <laughs> it, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Oh. Sorry for everybody. Oh, we love that. We love that. Oh, my God, Netta, you are the best. That is, oh, God, my eyes, my eyes are watering at the thought of that. Oh, my God. So let's go from the most discomfort you've ever had in your life what would you consider to be your comfort blanket? Something that you always, I suspect it might be the sweatshirt you're wearing now that you haven't taken off for three days and I can smell from here. Okay, <laughs> so could it be that? My most comfortable thing to wear? Probably a big, gigantic, Billie Eilish sweatshirt. Oh. I just feel very small in them. I like also very tight clothing when appropriate. I guess it's appropriate whenever, but like a big comfy sweatshirt. Nice. You know, this kind of like fantasy of like boyfriend sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. When you wake up after like a, a night of, like I would never fit in, in my man's. <laughs> like. I can't either. <laughs> for me to like fit small, <laughs> very skinnily into like something very, very big. So I, uh, whenever I have these things, I, I like feel very coquette. Yeah, very kind of small and delicate inside this great big sweatshirt. Yeah. I can identify with that too. Morning after shirts. This is how they call them. Morning after shirts, that's the one. Okay, and then you're going out somewhere or you're, you, you're going to an event, okay? What would you consider to be your birthday suit? So like the thing that you've got that you can reach for and you're going to feel a million dollars in. Obviously not the final dress. Good to feel a million dollars in that. <laughs> wow, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, I'm sure, but without the pin. <laughs> it was amazing with the pin too. It was an amazing <laughs> experience. <laughs> but uh, I would feel a million dollars in... Uh... I guess like a corset mm -hmm. that really puts everything in kind of like a nice shape. So going back to Thierry Mugler. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to work anywhere around this area. Mm. I don't like the skirts when they, they're tight in my belly because for oh, third time, fourth time, I'm out of shape. So I like them 
uh, I like the A shape. Mm-hmm. So kind of like a corset and an A shape kind of skirt, black. Yep. And then like a kimono on top, just Ooh. like off the shoulders. Oh. Choker. Oh. Diamonds. Okay. Like a really slick lace boot. Okay. You're very specific. Okay. So that, I can, it's not something you can just reach for out of your wardrobe no. by the sounds of it. No, that takes a lot of work. But that's what you enjoy, isn't it? Good black skirt, good black corset, a kimono and a boot. Yeah. That's your thing. That's a classic. You would look good mm. everywhere. Yeah. Well, you would look good because you can carry that off. But you know what? I knew today it was going to be good to talk to you. I don't think it was going to be quite this good. No, I wasn't. It was really good. No, you're a true role model. You know, you're not only a performer, but genuinely, you are a true role model. And um, I salute you, and I have a lot of respect for you, Netta. I think you're really amazing, and I've loved talking to you, and I wish you all the best at the massive Eurovision event. And I can't wait to watch you on the TV. This was so intelligent and fun and, and so loose. And thank you for this. I don't get to do this often. <laughs> I'm sure our paths will meet again. And meanwhile, I send you loads and loads of love. Thank you so much. This was beyond any expectations that I had from an interview. I thank you for bringing out the best in yourself and in me. Wow. What a woman. What an inspiration. And what a wardrobe malfunction. Oh, my God. I can't wait to see her performance at Eurovision this weekend. Speaking of music, here's Destino by Duo.
fantastic. Destino is available now on all streaming platforms and you can find Duo's album of the same name at duoguitarmusic.com and follow them at Duo Guitar Music. And you can find Netta at Netta Barzi on Insta, Facebook and Twitter and at Netta on TikTok. Finally, you can find us at My Ward Mal on our socials, on our website at mywardmal.com and of course, subscribe, rate and review us on your chosen podcast platform. All the links you need are in our show notes. That's it. Thanks so much again to Netta to Duo, and of course to you for listening. We'll catch up soon. Until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.